0: everybody. I'm Seth Busby, editor of Flying Solo. Welcome to our weekly podcast where we step inside the minds and lives of soloists and small business owners. Today's guest is Natasha McNamara. Tash is a vocal coach and communication specialist who assists everyone from politicians to CEOs to business leaders and small business owners to communicate more effectively. Whether it's tackling a difficult conversation, learning how to present with more confidence, or understanding the importance of active listening, Tash can teach you the communication skills that you need to succeed. She joins us today to share some of her top secrets. Hey, Tash. Welcome to the show. So great to have you joining me today.
1: Oh, thanks, Sess. I'm happy to be here.
0: Excellent. It's always lovely to have you on the show. Um, Uh, Last time we gave our listeners a lot of valuable advice around um, presenting with confidence, which is something that are expert in. Today, I'd like to talk perhaps a little more deeply on the art of communication because I think since the pandemic, I guess we we all feel a little bit rusty in our communication skills. I think something's been lost in translation along the way and now everyone's kind of coming back to work and getting back into the swing of things, but their communication might not be exactly up to scratch, is it?
1: No. I think a lot of the workshops that I've been doing recently have been about refreshing those skills of communication Um, Particularly because so many people have been on Zoom or in that. Even today, I had a workshop and people hadn't been face to face for a really long time and actually had to present in front of a live audience. So, to refresh those skills is really, really important. Things Mm. from body language, the way you stand. I noticed today people weren't used to being grounded or having stillness in the way that they spoke. And so, yeah, just simple things like when you're standing in front of an audience, have you gone to your casual egg syndrome or are you grounded and still? It doesn't mean you stay there. You can move but come back to that alignment is probably a good word, yeah.
0: Mm. Um. So I think uh, there's also from anecdotally what I've been hearing as well, there's like a whole generation that kind of finished school or might have finished their uni and then they've not gone out into the workplace as you would um, in previous years. They've started their jobs remotely. So they haven't had any of that kind of face-to-face connection. And it's like they need to be taught those skills completely from scratch. So what would be some tips you would have for someone that might be feeling kind of nervous about having those face-to-face interactions?
1: I think that's such a good thing. Well, I think firstly, talking a little bit about body language, standing in neutral, which is feet hip width apart, feet parallel. Then I think being aware of dynamic gestures, particularly coming back face to face. And I think on Zoom, sometimes our gestures get a bit lost if you don't bring them up. But gestures really add that dynamic. They also come from the same part of the brain as pitch. So when you add gestures, it really brings dynamic Um, Interest to your voice. The other thing I would say, probably the most important thing is, am I breathing? (laughs) Yes, I know that you're all breathing, but am I really deeply breathing? Most people are topping up using only one fifth of their lung capacity. And breath brings you into being present with people when you breathe deeply into those lungs. It also relaxes the audience because if you're shallow breathing, your audience will often start to mirror the way that you breathe, And that's why deeper breathing calms you, brings you into the present moment or into presence. It also allows you to think about what you're going to say in front of a live audience where the nerves might come up. And it allows what you say to really be absorbed when you're breathing. So many other reasons as well. You know, there's so much. I think breath is the key
0: so what about less on that bigger scale things that presentation scale things and more on the intimate day to day how can people make sure that they're more present and they show up in in conversation with their their workmates that they're um supportive and and listening i guess
1: yeah i think listening is i mean i spend a lot of the the time in workshops looking at active listening or listening to learn and that ability to really listen and not to be listening to respond, which when, when you really get to the bottom of what most people are doing when they're having a conversation, they're thinking about what they're going to say. And so much of the training, particularly of an actor, is, is really listening to the very last word that someone says and, and really absorbing that. Um, so I think listening to learn is really powerful and and a skill that we need to practice. I think often we have forgotten how to listen because, again, we're thinking about what we want to say. We're thinking um about um, you know our next appointment or our next meeting, and we're not really present with someone. And when someone's not present with you, it really leaves a mark, and we re- we know how it made us feel. We all have been in a situation when, we've been talking to someone about something that we really care about and they look at their phone or they look distracted and how that makes them feel. And I think, you know, Maya Angelou says that great quote, people don't remember what you do, people don't remember what you say, but people remember how you made them feel. And and when you listen to someone, you are giving them your presence and it's really powerful.
0: Hmm. That active listening, it is a skill that um a lot of actors have, as you say. Yes. Um yes. I guess I should probably preface for our audience that your background originally is as an actor. You went to WAPA?
1: Yes, that's right. Um, yes.
0: And after that night away you you studied voice, but yes. Um, do you find that a lot of your skills from your acting days are useful when it comes to teaching people how to communicate more effectively?
1: Definitely. I think, you know, the interpersonal soft skills, as people say, are incredibly important. I think as a, as an actor, I think you are wanting to be present, you're wanting to listen, you're responding. Um, you do have a script, which you've learnt, um, and you're making that sound natural and, and discovered. And I think, yeah, I think the acting skills are really important. I think a lot of people are going to an acting-based um, business training to really help them to be expressive, to be influential, to, um, you know, uh, get to have clear intentions and objectives to get what you want in business. I think so much of what I've learned as an actor is really incredibly useful to business people, from body language to voice to having a clear intention about what you want to make someone do, think and feel. And then also having emotional tactics in your resource kit, which are transitive verbs, if you like. But you're thinking about how you want to make people feel rather than focusing on yourself, which I think in business, when I say to people, so did you rehearse your presentation? They'll say no. And I'll say, did, did you spend a lot of time on the slides and the content? And they'll say yes. And there's nothing wrong with that, but people are forgetting that also a great tool that actors have is the notion of rehearsal and practice as if you were mm. really doing it. I think there's so much to be gained in that preparation.
0: Mm, I think you're right there. Like, yeah. it's great to have a fantastic looking PowerPoint, but, <laughs> yeah. but, but, yeah. you know, people aren't going to remember the slideshow no. above anything else. They're going no. to remember what you said to them and how you made them feel right. in the room at the time. So that's
1: right. Yeah, that's right. But I think there is a different focus in the business world, which whenever I ask that question, most people have spent their time on the content and have not thought about the channels of communication, which as we know from early research back in the 1960s body language is 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 the highest percent of communication the way you mm. gesture your facial expression your energy your stance your smile all that really impacts an audience of course voice is 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 just under that with body language 55 percent. they say Albert Morabian back in the 1960s and voice 38 percent I mean, Albert, in context, said words were seven percent, which is interesting. I do, mm-hmm. I do think your content is is in, is important. I do, mm-hmm. but I think that I think sometimes in business we forget the body language, the voice, and also, I really think what's useful is structure and and looking at starting with a hook. A lot of times mm-hmm. in business, I'm hearing, "Good afternoon, everyone. Today, I want to talk to you," and it's stats and statistics quite dry and we're forgetting that we need to start with a hook. Now some of you might be asking, what is a hook? Well, number one hook is a story. And Mm -hmm. storytelling is so powerful in business. To find a story that is connected to your audience analysis, who your audience is, what you want, Mm -hmm. is really powerful. It lights up the brain. It's memorable. Or a question. Today I was working with a group. And there were some really great opening questions as hooks that got us straight away actively listening and engaged with what that what that presenter was saying. So I think that's hmm. really powerful. Group activities, um you know, shocking statements, all those things. There's lists of hooks which are great to use. Group activity, analogy.
0: <laughs> Tell me more <laughs> about
1: the shocking statement. <laughs> <laughs> Well, something that grabs, like, a, like even today, like, did you know that, well, what I would say, did you know that 55% of communication is nonverbal? It's, it's your body language that counts. I mean, some of the ones that I heard today were a lot of them used the word imagine, which I think is a great hook. Imagine for a moment. I mean, there were stories today and shocking statements around risk I mean, I can't go into detail who the company was, but we're talking a bit about risk management. But there were some just really great, great ones that grabbed our attention and just completely changed the engagement of the listeners when you start with a hook.
0: Mm. And I guess we're we're all wanting to hear a great story. We're wanting to find the human in the story as well. And I think is that something as well you encourage people to do, like, more aware of that human element?
1: Definitely I think that's coming out a lot more even today there was emotion that comes up and I mean I I think in the safe place that I believe I create as, as as a facilitator I really am encouraging people to let their whole personalities out of the box and that we're not wanting a cookie cutter perfect presenter but yes yes you're right we're looking for human beings vulnerability realness you know and also that notion of that the audience doesn't want perfect they want to see people that are real that's why real stories around your sometimes triumphs and tragedies and and challenges are great case examples are great we we maybe you've made a mistake and you've learnt from that. I think those human elements make make a great connection to people.
0: Mm. Yeah. So uh, how do we uh, let our our staff and team members know then that it's a safe space and that they can communicate honestly with us, like say there's a problem mm. or a difficult conversation that needs to be had? I mean... Everybody's had to face difficult conversations yeah. at some point, I think, in their career. Yeah. How would you suggest tackling that from, from both sides, so the person having to give the difficult, yes. challenging feedback and the one who maybe is on the receiving end?
1: Oh, that's such a good question. I think recently I, had to, I worked with on a difficult conversation, and the leader essentially had to give a team member some difficult feedback and i noticed that the the team leader went straight away to um i think blaming and not really being willing to you know he he went straight away to and there's no gender involved but just to to the emotion of the situation and one thing i tell you a book that it's really influenced me is crucial conversations Um, which is just such a fantastic book. But starting with the facts is really important, taking the emotion out, sticking to the facts. I really saw that work in great, great, uh, great success. Rather than going to the emotions, you go to the facts. So rather than saying to someone, you're always late for work and it annoys me you would say, I've noticed on the last consecutive Mondays that you've been 20 minutes late. So that's the first part of it. Then, then to tell your story, which is the consequences of that. So when you're late, 20 minutes late each Monday, it really throws out the timing of our team meeting. Then I think the other important element, and it's what we've just talked about, is to really ask for the other's path or be willing to listen to the other person's what's going on for them and that's sometimes a step that I see missed so that's some other tips one that I'm using which some of you might want to write down is Hakwa. and this is a great a great acronym so I'll go through it it's to hear first I think sometimes that's missed to hear what the other person's saying. I think sometimes we can go to blame or to defence, but if you can hear what the other person's saying, and that might mean paraphrasing or just feeding it back. And then the H is to really acknowledge, and that's a step that often gets missed as well. So you've got hear and acknowledge that. Those two steps get missed. And then to question is to ask an open question and i think sometimes i see people ask closed questions and they're not even aware of it so that question is is to ask a, an open question where you can get the other person talking rather than just a yes or no question and then to respond so for example if you were if if you were trying to if someone was you wanting to give feedback about someone being late you would first of all ask you know Find out what's going on and then hear, so, Susan, I hear that you are finding it hard to get to work on time on the Mondays when we have our team meetings. I, I, I understand, so I'm acknowledging now that that's, that that's really hard. You've got to get the kids to school. Your husband's got an injury. Can you, can you help me to understand are there ways that we can help you with this difficult situation? Um, that was actually a closed question. Then that was terrible. Or can, you, can, you, can, you, can you share with me? Oh no, actually, that's hard. so uh, what would be? How could we help you? Yeah, how could um, we? That was a terrible example of, But how yeah. can we help you? I think I <laughs> in that moment to think of an, an open question? So and to, hmm. I think the haqwa, though is really useful. So if you want to write it down, it's here. Acknowledge question and then respond. But that's hmm. that's what I've been. But I think
0: a how about. is often usually uh, an open question so yes, maybe one, the, yes. that would be a, t- a tip would be yeah. ask a how yeah. a how or a why rather than a
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then a closed question yeah so there you go thank you thank you Well, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I usually am so much better at modeling that anyway look it's just something that you know sometimes I'll write out open questions on the whiteboard just to remind me and to remind the participants as well. So, yeah, but I think that's a really good one. I, I mean, I, I think that, I think listening is such a great, a great skill that that is something to create an open space. I worked with a leader recently and I remember she asked the question, she was talking about a difficult situation with her team where she would use the phrase, tell me more, and I just thought that was so... So she was actually interested in what other people felt and what their experiences were. So I think empathy, leading with empathy and kindness, compassion, vulnerability, I mean I know that they're buzzwords but they are you see that in action when you see difficult conversations played out again and again and again.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what yeah. if we happen to be just a shocking listener where someone that finds ourselves very easily distracted and and you know jumps all over everybody else's conversation because we aren't listening what are some some things that we might be able to model to change our behavior to make us better at being active listeners and not conversation stompers
1: (laughs) yeah well I think awareness is probably the beginning is that if you've got that feedback, or you know it within yourself, that's the great start. Awareness is the beginning of change, and then I think you need to just stop talking. Maybe focus on your breathing. Also, really noticing the other person, using the senses. What are you seeing? What are you seeing that's not being said? To to observe their body language, the way. How are they holding themselves, their alignment to notice if they're feeling confident or unconfident, uh, to notice their gestures, their eye contact? I think those skills, those micro skills of noticing another person's communication, nonverbal and verbal, is really going to bring you into focus on focusing on the other person rather than on yourself and what you want to say. I think that's a good skill is using the senses to really see, hear, feel like what's going on, what's not being said with this person, to really focus on that, on on, on that person. I think also listening for key words that that person is saying, listening to their pitch and intonation. Are they going up at the end of sentences? Are they dying at the ends of thoughts? What What is their... What is about their voice that is revealing of what they're saying? Because often it's not what it's not what they're saying, not what, they, but what they're not saying, which I think is interesting. Yeah, I think those skills are really important, and I think practicing your listening in nature is something that's really worthwhile. Is just to spend time in nature listening to the sounds in nature i think we've become de- desensitized living in the city in the urban concrete jungle where our listening skills are taken away from us but deep listening i think can can really start with nature going for a nice bushwalk listening to the sounds of birds the wind just de- just resensitizing our our skills of listening
0: mm-hmm. that's an interesting point because kind of um if you can't look after yourself, then how can you really look after other people? So kind of, yes. I guess in a way, good leaders need to practise good self-care, self-care to begin oh, with.
1: Huge. I think that it's, it's such a huge discussion at the moment, self-care and mindset and the notion of taking time out for ourselves as leaders so that we are capable Of giving to other people I think is really really important yeah and I think the skills to not be disheartened anyone listening that you can develop these skills we can you can work on your listening skills again awareness is the beginning of that you can work on not interrupting someone you can work on really listening to the end of their sentence to listen to the cue that they're finished Um, I think being curious about other people is really powerful as well Curious, building rapport—you know—it's it's it's those things that really really count. Building, never underestimate small talk in terms of leadership as well, because you want to build rapport and trust with people to be to lead people. And so, I think that notion of of rapport is really powerful as well.
0: Hmm. Does that start with those small? you know, meaningless kind of conversations, yes. the ones that are just, the, you know, hi, no. how you doing, that kind of develop yeah. a bit of a relationship?
1: Yes, I think that's big. I think in terms of the analysis of an audience, which is something I look at, it's we want to understand who that person is, what are their needs and their wants, and then to really think about some simple questions. What What is rapport to that person? Because some people might not like small talk. Some people may be more analytical and want to just get straight to the point. And I think as leaders we want to have our flexible communication skills. But some people love it. Like I know at a couple of the places that I work at, we'll often talk about our cavoodles, you know, or I know kids are a good conversation startup. I think those things do build connection and i know some people have to come to me to learn how to build rapport and i think that small talk being interested in the other, and the other person asking open questions the who and the why those sorts of things are great just to find out about that person so you can engage them mm. yeah so
0: focus more on the other person that's rather right. than yourself is probably a key thing that's a big
1: message i think know. i'm
0: hearing from you yeah yeah
1: absolutely i think in terms of audience analysis which is the starting of structure we look at well what does reward look like to this person what does resistance look like to this person what does reach look like to this person like how am i going to reach this person i think you you ask yourself simple questions about this other person because when we stay focused on ourselves i think we're we're losing connection and it's, it is really important to, to be focused on the other person. What do you want to make that person do, think and feel?
0: Mm. Good advice. Yeah. Thank you so much, Tash. It's That's been great. A, a, a lovely time this afternoon chatting with you.
1: It's been lovely to chat with you again as well.
0: Any final tips for our, for our listeners on developing rapport or, and being uh, better communicators?
1: Well, I think we've, you know, we've covered, I think listening's been a big part of this conversation. I think that mm. all of us can go away tonight and just start practising with our our partners, our our children, our dogs, <laughs> you know, the, the, the Uber driver. I mean, I think that, that it's just that practising, practising listening to learn rather than listening to respond. I think the notion of, That communication is not about you, it's about the other person. What do you want to make them do, think and feel? Feeling is important. If you want to make someone remember something, you want to make them feel something, excited, inspired or shocked or, you know, seduced, whatever. You want to make someone feel something, yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. Thank you. Well, plenty, plenty for us to think on there. Think think and feel (laughs) thanks for joining me Tash it's been great having you it's
1: been lovely thank you bye-bye bye Bye. Bye bye-bye